I'm Kay Janes, and this is the podcast where we talk about your adult child and how to raise them so you don't have to raise your grandkids. Check us out at allgrownup.com or on Instagram at youradultchild. Well, I'm so excited to have our second podcast, what's hopefully the second of many podcasts. Today's a special day because I have one of my partners and one of my favorite people in the world to work with and someone who's become um, like the right shoe to my left shoe and that's Shauna Watson. So Shauna, uh, as an introduction, is there anything that you want to say to everyone that's listening or give an introduction to yourself? Tell us a little bit about your family makeup. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. I think that'd be good. I'm super happy to be here. I always love whenever I get to talk with Cade. So my family, I'm married to Tim uh, Watson, and then I have four kids. Two, my twins are my oldest, and they're 21, almost 22, both married now. And then I have a son that's a senior and a daughter that's a junior. So our kids are kind of packed in there pretty tight, but um, that's kind of where we're at. I still feel like I just graduated from high school, but apparently my kids are now. So (laughs) that's that's one of the great reasons we have Shona here. Is Shona is right in the middle of adult children. Uh, with two that are already up and out of the house and two that will be leaving soon. So that's her expertise, not only as a as a coach, but also as a mom, is going to add a ton of value to what we're doing today. Um, we didn't talk much about this last time, but I want to make it real clear that today especially, we're going to be talking about what have become very sensitive and difficult topics for parents to address with their kids. That's identity, sexuality, and worth. And we just want it to be really clear up front that the things we're going to discuss today are going to come from a conservative Christian viewpoint. So we'll talk about things and we'll do it through that lens. So if that's not your jam, that's not something you really align with, then we still invite you to listen. But if that is something that um, you that is a part of your life, then I think today will be super valuable. We're going to introduce some ideas and concepts and truths around these things that... I have found are not clear to many people, but when they hear them and know them, it creates a ton of clarity and helps make better decisions on how to support a young adult as they figure out these things of identity, sexuality, and worth. So I think what we want to do first is I think we want to start off with some of the confusion around all three of these. And Sean, at any any point, you know, pipe in and share some thoughts. And you have sons and a daughter, so you've seen both sides of what this is like. Um, First of all, with identity, um, one of the questions that we love to ask all of our clients is, um, what are your current identifiers? We also like to ask them, what were your identifiers in middle school and high school? And it's really interesting to actually watch an adult respond to the question, what were your identifiers in middle school and high school? I have not had an adult that when we ask that doesn't laugh. Yeah, because I was just getting ready to that's, laugh. <laughs> that's right. Why do you think people laugh when we ask that question? Well, because, I mean, middle school, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so many identifiers that, I don't know, yeah, you, you go. <laughs> no, it is terrible, right? Like, we talk about middle school. It's like one of the worst times in life for a lot of kids. There's always that one girl or one boy that grew up faster than everybody, and yeah. it's even brutal for them because they grew up faster than everybody. But yeah. you're not a kid anymore, you're not an adult, and everybody expects you to know what you're doing, and it's hard. It's a rough ride. And then high school, too. We all know this. I will say till the day I die that our American culture worships 
high school, that, that phase in life, high school years, I think for a lot of reasons. One, our bodies are young. We have enough adult capacities to drive and date and do these things, but we don't have any real adult responsibilities. So a lot of people love that time in life or they hate it because it's such a rough, it can be a rough time. I call it high school trauma and everyone has it. It was either the best time of your life or the worst time of your life. And what I found, and we'll talk more about this later on, but almost every adult I know when they run into a teenager or even a young adult, they really have a hard time interacting with that kid because of their own personal issues with that phase in their life. It amazes me when I see adults know not, they don't know what to do around a 16 or 17 year old and they're horrified what that kid thinks, which is funny because if you're 40 to 50 years old and you, and you think about that, you're worried what a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old thinks, then it should be the other way around, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And kids and young adults know that. Yeah, I remember, I can remember jogging, this is going to be embarrassing, but I don't, I don't pretend to be perfect at all, but I remember in high school jogging down the street, and when my neighbors would drive by, I remember thinking, oh, they wish they were me, a teenager, <laughs> right? Oh, seriously? I don't, what is, I'm embarrassed to even say that, but I do remember oh. thinking, thinking that way. Oh, well, proof to me is just go to a small town high school sporting event. There's hundreds of people watching Average kids play average level sports and cheering like it's a it's a big deal. And mm-hmm. what's funny, the day after you graduate, nobody cares anymore yeah. what you're doing. And in fact, they're like, okay, you're an adult now. You need to handle a lot of stuff. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because right now, kids, when they hit that adult phase, they're not ready to be on their own. It's very rare now to find an 18-year-old right out of high school that's ready to get a job, to you know date seriously, to jump into college. There's very few kids. And the ones that are doing it are stressed and anxious out of their minds. Yeah. Yeah, I surveyed over 350 kids two years ago, seniors and juniors in high school. And the thought of moving forward to what was next, those seniors, the stress of thinking of moving into adulthood weighed on them way more than I thought. And to read through their comments was eye-opening for me. Yeah, yeah. And it it is that way. And it's only, I don't know how it's not going to get any harder. You know, COVID obviously hasn't helped with all that. And it's made the insecurities of the economy. The kids are aware of that stuff. Yeah. And they're nervous about it. Well, when we talk about identity, one of the confusions that's around it is we talk about, when we said earlier, we didn't clarify this, but identifiers are usually things that we use to identify who we are. And most of the time, it's interests, desires, hobbies, talents, weaknesses, tastes in music. Those things become identifiers. And from what you've experienced, why is it dangerous if your identity is based on those types of things? Well, because those things end, or they always are going to end us. They're never going to end in a result that's lasting. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. You know, the other thing I've seen is when you use those things, the only way you know if you're good at it is you have to compare those things in your life to somebody else who's doing the same things. Yeah, yeah. And so it requires, when you use identifiers that aren't actually part of your identity, they're actually your personality, when you use those things as identifiers, you have to compare to know where you're at. And I have a large dad who was super athletic. He's 
six five, two hundred and eighty pounds, made it all the way to the NFL, and he always said something interesting. He says, It doesn't matter who you are, there's always someone out there bigger, stronger, and faster. And that's true about everything. There is always someone prettier, skinnier, smarter, faster, more intelligent, anything. So if your worth is at all inside of those things, then you have problems because sooner or later you're going to run into somebody where you're going to feel less than. Mm-hmm. And that's today what we'd like to clarify on, on identity is, especially from a Christian viewpoint like we talked about, there's a couple things that are very important. Number one is this. When it comes to God's view on us and Christ's view on us, there's actually only six words in Scripture or in teachings that are eternal identifiers. In other words, we didn't choose them. They're God-given, so they're eternally inherited, and they don't change and they don't go away. And it's fun when I ask, especially people who are very active in different churches, what are God's identifiers? I've never had somebody actually go, oh, it's these, these, and these, even though we're all aware of them. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is, is even us that are trying to be our best spiritual selves and active in our churches and things, I think most of us are actually caught up in those identifiers we were just talking about. So it's hard to remember the ones that God gave us. So there's six of them, three male and three female. In fact, that's two of them, male and female. Those are two eternal identifiers that were with us before we were born. They're with us while we're here and they'll be with us afterwards, after we go into the next life. Another one, another two others are son and daughter. All of us are either a son or daughter of heavenly parents, right? And then the other one, the other two are brother and sister. So you're my sister. I'm your brother from a spiritual standpoint, and that will never change. That was when we had no choice on that. That was just because we were created by God. Those six titles just, they're like tattoos on our soul. They're not going anywhere. Now, where it gets really confusing, confusing for our young adults is um, right now in the world, there's a lot of talk about gender and sexuality, identity and fluidity. And what you'll notice is most of the confusion is because people are basing those identities of male and female or their sexuality around feelings which is super easy to do. And in fact, you know what's interesting? All those other identifiers, did you know those were all based on feelings as well? Have you ever wondered why we pick the hobbies that we pick? Why do we pick the hobbies that we pick? Um, I don't know. Tell me. I know. It's interesting. <laughs> that A lot of times it's because the other people around us do it, right? So sometimes okay. it's like, I want to like them. I want to be around them. But you know the biggest reason we pick the hobbies we pick? Because we're good at them. And when we're good at them, we have success. And when you have success, you feel good. You feel like you matter. You feel like you have worth. So it's actually, all those identifiers, they're feeling based. Almost all of them. If you look at music preferences, all that, whatever somebody chooses, it's because they're either good at it or it has created a feeling in them. And then they say, that's it. That's an identifier. I want to, and what they're actually saying is, I just want to keep feeling what that thing made me feel. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, so I'm going to hold on to that thing. The problem with that is, we all know this, feelings change. And feelings, this is super important. Feelings don't dictate truth. We use truth to control our feelings. 
And it's easy to say that when you've got a five-year-old throwing a tantrum. How many of us have told a five-year-old to control their feelings in some way? We don't necessarily use those words, but we say, you know, mm-hmm. calm down. What we're really saying is, hey, control your feelings. Your feelings don't dictate what's going to go on right now. The problem is, is when we get a little bit older, we think that our feelings do and should. Yeah. Right? And then those, those are what we make our identifiers. So it's a super touchy subject, but if a boy is born and as he gets older for whatever reasons, he starts to feel like has feelings that makes him go, I would, maybe I'm a girl. Those feelings are real. Like they really, there are really boys out there who have very feminine, what we would call feminine feelings. They have feminine, what we would call feminine desires. And then you combine that with different things and it's, they a hundred percent have those feelings. And we need to be very careful. If you have someone in your family or your life who's going through that and you don't understand it or agree with it, don't tell them they don't feel what they feel. Yes. Yes. Right? Is there anything that will put up a wall faster when you're trying to work with youth or young adults when you invalidate what they're feeling? Yeah, for sure. Their reasons may be things they don't understand yet. There may be a lot of stuff you know they haven't experienced, but never invalidate what they feel. Yeah. And it, what brings comes to my mind as well, because I'm sitting here as a mother as well. So, because what you're talking about and helping to understand the youth in your life, but then also when you're looking at your identifiers so often as a mother or a father, and we want to identify as those, and sometimes, which is great, but sometimes it can get in the way of our ability to show up for the youth in our lives if we are stuck on on that identity. Can you help me say what yeah, I'm trying I've, to say? <laughs> yeah, I found it this. Whenever we say my in front of a relationship, my son, my daughter, my wife, we have to be very careful because we'll go down the path of inappropriate ownership. Yeah. So then if sense? you can not go that way and you remember this is God's kid, he's yep. not mine, it helps me show up in a totally different space to have this conversation. If they're struggling with sexuality, if they're struggling with identity, then you can show up in a, in a more Christ-like way because you can just be there for them. Absolutely. You know what I found too? When you and I realize that and do it, it's crazy the inspiration that comes. Yeah, yeah. The trick is just staying there, right? Yep. We all struggle, even versus, with my kids. I struggle sometimes. Versus the opposite, when we don't go there and we get emotional and then we get afraid and then we react. And that's the opposite of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we say the worst thing. We do the worst thing. And, and we, have, we have to clean up. That's right. We create. <laughs> Which we can. Our goal, our goal, especially with this podcast, like we've talked about, is for to help parents, grandparents, bosses, to be able to create a space that a young adult or adolescent actually wants to step into. And by what we're talking about right now is how you create that space. Remember that it is not, even if you're a mom and you carried that kid for nine months and you had 37 hours of labor and you fed that little thing and kept them alive, that is all miraculous and necessary and amazing. But the moment you forget that that kid is God's kid and you take inappropriate ownership, you are not going to interact with that kid in the best way. Yeah. And the kid will feel it. The kid knows you're their mom or their dad, but they also know that they're an independent being created by God. And anytime you step over those lines, the kid can feel it, whether they understand what's going on or not. And you lose power. Yeah. Yeah. And for some of you listening right now, that might feel like a gut punch. It might feel like a little bit of resistance or almost feel sacrilegious in a way to feel like your identity as a mother or as a father. Um, 
to, to not you're not questioning that in any way, but um, you'll learn that I don't finish a lot of my sentences, and Cade's so articulate <laughs> with words. You know what's so coming to my mind right <laughs> now is it's just move your ownership of your kid to a stewardship. Yeah, yeah. Right. You don't own your kid. You're a steward with that kid and that just like the other blessings in your life you're a steward over those mm-hmm. right and that's how you'll be measured now this moves us right into and and this is this is a question i ask and i do it a lot in church studies and it's really interesting we so identity we realize is not based on and i i want to read this because this was really helpful to me it's necess- it's necessary to understand that feelings do not determine identity Neither do desires, attractions, hobbies, talents, weaknesses, education, or careers. Our identity was determined by someone else, and it never changes, and it's eternal. And that's a huge deal. And I, one time, in fact, you were there, but we presented this to a group of young adults. Mm -hmm. And a young lady raised her hand and said, why is it just six? Does it have to just be those six things? And I listened because I thought it was a great question. And then I got the question to ask her back. And I asked her back, why aren't those six enough? That's right. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And her face and her reaction was really interesting. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh yeah, why aren't those enough? Why do I got to make up other pieces of identity when those six are more than significant? And when any of us remember those and hold on to those, we can get through a lot more than we realize when you remember that you are a son or daughter of God, that you are a brother or a sister, and that both genders, male and female, carry eternal weight and power, Mm -hmm. and they're both important. And if you just repeat those things and you share those things and you live that way, you walk in power and you're in alignment. Yeah, because even just listening to you and like letting myself feel what you're saying, you can feel the strength that comes in that and how you want to view your brothers and sisters differently. Just just being able to tap into those identifiers uh, changes the way, in alignment, like you said. Yep. Yeah. And when you're in alignment, you're in power. So the other thing is we talk about with identity, if a kid or an adult or anybody's not sure about this, you're out of alignment. And when you're out of alignment with your core identity, it's like your back, when your back goes out. It's really interesting if you ever had your back go out. So your arms and legs can be super strong, but if your back goes out, you no longer can use the strength in your arms and your legs because your, your alignment's out, your back's out. And that's how it is with your identity. If it's off at all, you lose power. You don't have the ability to use other things that you have. I watched a basketball team lose their last playoff game last night, and I watched all the seniors, and some of those kids have been playing basketball since they were four years old, and that's been their identity, and they're pretty devastated. You know, even the dance team that performed at halftime, the senior girls, that was the last time that group of girls was going to dance too, and they've all spent hours and hours and all this time, and they've been praised, and now all of a sudden that is gone. And if they know what we're talking about today, that's okay. They'll just move on to something else that supports their core identifiers. Okay. Now, this gets us into what is obviously a touchy subject, and it, w- it has been since probably the beginning of time, but that's sexuality. And I want to start this piece with just asking this question. Is our sexuality part of our personality, or is it part of our identity? And there is a lot of different discussion around that. Everything I have seen is people preach and say that it's your identity. Your sexuality is part of your identity. And from a Christian viewpoint, that makes people, I can see why people feel that way, because it's attached to some of the greatest commandments. 
Mm -hmm. right? Next to killing someone, sexual transgression or sin is kind of number two on the list of don'ts, do's and don'ts. So it's a powerful thing. But I, I remember the first time that I asked you this question. Do you remember that? Were you in a group or were we individually talking? I don't know. What question were you going to ask me? Yeah, well, <laughs> that same question of, is sexuality part of our personality oh, or our yeah, identity? Yeah. What are some of your initial thoughts, either from the first time you heard that or even now as we talk uh, about it? I wrestled. I, I did. I wrestled with what I thought. Um, and then I, I went back and forth. Um, but then the more you talked, I felt like it was personality. Yeah. And that's actually really hard for people to swallow. That your sexuality is more your personality than it is your identity, mm-hmm. and the and I think we need to clarify what we mean by sexuality. Sexuality, when we're saying that, is it's your it's sexual desires, who they're attached to, and the purpose of them, right? And I, that's another thing that we're lucky to know that sexuality and sex and intimacy it wasn't just meant to make children. It's also meant to strengthen a relationship, yeah, right? Yeah. A marriage relationship mm-hmm. is where it's healthy and, and where it's best used. And this is, especially if those in the Christian community, when they have, and this is happening a lot more, and people are able to be a lot more open about it, which is good, but there's a lot more young adults and youth who's, who are homosexual, who are bisexual, who are fluid, and for the older generations, that's really hard to know how to sit with that. And I think this will help. And that is to know that if it is personality things and not identity, and you can remember that, then when your kid's figuring that stuff out, you can be, even though it's a huge deal, and it is, it's a sacred big deal. But if you can see it just as part of their personality, they're figuring out, you're actually going to interact with them a lot better than if you and they are confused about it being a core part of your identity. Oh, yeah. Why would that be easier to interact with them if you understand it's a personality thing they're figuring out versus it's their core identity? Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about before of looking at with the right lens and perspective, just a more eternal perspective. That's right. And a lot of faithful, conservative Christian parents, they're like, all I think they just think eternal damnation. Mm. If a kid is, you know, messing around with their sexuality, changing it, doing things that are not the parents feel like they're not supposed to, or that's contrary to God's commandments, then we just think eternal damnation. But one thing I want to present, and this is something that every time I share this, people are, and I and I I feel confident presenting this is this question. If if we lived before we were born and we were together and we were heavenly, you know, children of heavenly parents, think about this question. Did sexuality, the way we understand it and experience it, even exist before we were born? When we were all together? Oh, now you're going deep. <laughs> I know. I know. And this is important. And I know this could go down a rabbit hole, but I just want to present this. And I'm not going to answer this. I just want everybody to think about it. If we were brothers and sisters before we were born, created spiritually by heavenly parents, and we spent time together before, and we didn't have physical bodies, just consider the, the question is, did sexual desires play any role before that we were born? How much of sexuality is a biological, temporal, physical experience that we have here? And we know that it is. We know it's a huge part of this. In fact, I've learned lust... And the spirit of competition are both God-given and part of our temporal experience, but they're meant to be overcome. 
They are not the end. They are a means to an end. And when you consider a human being that has been able to control and overcome their lust and their competitive, comparative nature, that's a powerful person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the adversary has done is just tweak the radio station a little bit, and he's made those two things the end, not the means. In American culture especially, the pinnacle of existence includes competition and sexuality or Mm -hmm. lust. Yeah. And when you tweak or light those things up, that's when everybody says, okay, this is it. How many billions of dollars are made every year on competition and lust? Yeah, entire industries and... (laughs) Yeah. So then it make what's coming to my mind is when we speak to when we have conversations with our kids, whether they're about their day or about the bigger things, um, sexuality, whatever it might be, and we can keep their core identifiers in mind, we speak to them differently. And to remember that these are truths that need to be taught. I've worked with so many teenagers, college kids, some adults that have struggled with pornography, and they are being taught very, very aggressively about identity and about sexuality in ways that most parents, it would blow their mind. Yeah. And so... Mike, can I share this, something you shared with me, and this is super important? Yeah. That young man you worked with that had watched pornography to the point that he was confused. He didn't even understand what consensual sex was because he'd watched pornography where girls were being kidnapped and then the sex that would happen later, the girls would enjoy it in the pornography. And so there was nothing wrong with the kidnapping and that this young man. Yeah, he became very see. confused about what was, he came to me concerned that he was going to rape somebody. And this was a good Christian young man. Yeah. And just the prevalence and the aggressiveness with which the pornography industry is teaching our kids. And at a younger, younger age, my youngest client was a 10 year old girl, you yeah. know, and um, we as parents have to be actively not only speaking about sexuality, I'm sure we will do other uh, podcasts about this because we could talk about this for quite a while, but it's near and dear to my heart just because I see how aggressively they're being taught and then there is silence at home, not just around sexuality, but identity as yep. well in there. Um, so being able to speak to them at, through their core identifiers, they are going to... To respond to that. Well, let's take that young man. What happens when you remind him that girls are his sisters? Right? Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it adds a power to the ability to overcome inappropriate lust mm-hmm. and desire when you remember that you're a son of God. That's your s- sister. Right? Just that alone, those things have different weight. Well, we only have a few minutes, and I, I we have to wrap up with this. And this is one of my favorite truths, and it's around worth. If you ask somebody what something is worth, the best definition is what somebody else is willing to pay for it, right? Like I can say my car is worth a million dollars, but it's not worth a million dollars if nobody's (laughs) going to pay for it. It's worth whatever somebody else is going to pay for it. Well, we've talked about how these identifiers and maybe how we compare to others and things like that is what we use to measure our worth, and it doesn't help. How many people feel worth, real self-worth? And it's because they don't understand this truth is that every human being on this planet was paid for. And the price was Christ. It was his life, his death, everything that he suffered, his atonement in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the price that was paid for every one of us. So whenever we question our worth, we're not actually questioning ourselves. We're questioning the payment. And the payment was a God. 
And so as you and I and all of us can remember how, just do our best to work with these kids and ourselves is if we remember the payment, it's really hard to be okay with thoughts and sayings of low self-worth when you remember the payment. It's really hard. And my invitation today for everybody with their worth is remember that payment. I have yet to run into a scenario where I feel crappy about myself that I remember that, that I don't feel better. And I don't, and I, I will not deny that payment. I cannot because of the forgiveness I've felt because of all the growth that's happened because of that atonement. I would, I'd have to be very, I'd have to be a liar to ignore the value of that payment. And that's the truth. And that's knowledge. I think if we share with people and we, and you that have those young adults in your life, remember that first for yourself and then remember it with them. And I also, that is the truth that will allow you to not have inappropriate ownership. That same God that owns them, that paid for them, is their creator, their savior, and their support. And you are just helping him. And when you remember that, man, it's so much easier to do the work we do and to help these kids. And and I found this. When I remember that, the young adults I'm with, they can see it and feel it, and it's so much easier for them to trust it when they know that I trust it. Yeah, and then therefore you trust them. That's right. God trusts them. And is nothing is more ennobling and enabling than trust. Mm-hmm. Confidence. You got to let them ride the bike. They got to pedal it themselves so they never know. Yeah. So... Well, I'm so grateful that Sean was here today. Um, we are looking forward. I'm already looking forward to our next podcast. We'll uh, each of these will drop every Monday, and we hope that as what will happen is over the next couple of weeks, we'll have two or three more of these, and then in about three weeks, we're actually going to start a Zoom broadcast once a week, where anybody who would like can get on live with us, and it'll be separate from the podcast, but it'll be a, a coaching session where they can get on, ask questions discuss some of the things that we've talked about on the podcast and I look forward to interact with them. So until next time, uh, have a great day. Good luck. Good hope. Like we said last time, and we look forward to being with you again. 